Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 106, dedicated to Joe DiMaggio, because on June 24th, 1936, he became the fifth Major League Baseball player to hit two home runs in one inning. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to the episode of the podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Mr. Danny Vietti of CBS Sports Baseball, right before CBS Sports, coming on joining me to talk about Major League Baseball negotiations. Now, this conversation took place June 22nd. About about 24 hours, Danny and I ended talking, ended our conversation about 24 hours before baseball had a decision to resume this, actually to start the season. So if you're wondering why the conversation may seem a little bit outdated, that may be why. But I will say this, wait till you hear who his Little League baseball coach was. It may surprise you and even put a smile on your face. Before we get to the conversation that Danny and I had, I have a big, big announcement. I have had I have the opportunity to join a podcast network. I know I have a part of the MTNV Sports Podcast Network, but my time with MTNV, even though it was short, it will be coming to an end very, very soon. So those of you that listen to me via the MTNV Sports Podcast Network, be sure to find me on other listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to this the Jay Stevens Podcast as well because I'll, I'll be pulling that podcast out and making it independent only. And I have the opportunity to join the Unscripted Ohio Sports Podcast Network to start another show. So I'll be doing the Jay Stevens podcast twice a week and then the Buckeye beat with Jay Stevens as well. Uh, Ohio State-centered, Ohio State-heavy podcast. The Ohio State fan in me loves that, but like I am with this uh, this podcast here, I will be unbiased. Not trying to show any favoritism, but be 100%, 100% authentic and unbiased in my analysis so that'll be some things to come but more announcements for that about when that show will be released and trust me i'll be that'll be all over twitter if you follow me on twitter at jsteven07 be sure to check that out because trust me you will gladly gladly if you're an ohio state fan really enjoy that show so without further ado let's go ahead and take a trip to the West Coast, to the state of California, to enjoy a fun conversation with Mr. Danny Bietti, Major League Baseball writer for CBS Sports. Hey, Danny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jay, how's it going, man? Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, no problem, no problem. Uh, this year has been um, different, uh, rather interesting. How have you and your family, your friends, your colleagues, how have you guys been coping with not just COVID-19, but also the protests that have been going on here in our country? Yeah, it's really tough. Um, I can't say I relate being a white individual myself. The best thing I can do individually is just be open to the conversations, try and listen more than talk, but at the same time that people I'm interacting with on a day-to-day basis just trying to inform them. In particular, I have an 11-year-old niece, and she was in town the other day, and she was really curious about the subject, and she's curious about all that's going on. So just having some even awkward conversations at times, or maybe not awkward, but more so uncomfortable, I think is really important um, in regards to the social unrest that's going going on. So I'm really trying to listen. Um, In in regards to COVID-19, it's really been tough. Um, But that being said, I'm safe. My family's safe. So I really don't have 
much to complain about. I, you know, I've been truly blessed through this entire process. And, you know, as long as my friends, family, and everybody I'm interacting with, they're safe. That's, that's all you can ask for, right? Yeah, that's true, Ben. That's true. How are those, like, I don't know if you can get too in-depth, and I, I don't know if you're asking you to, but with an 11-year-old niece, from her, from that standpoint, and then you're watching and kind of having those conversations, kind of give us a little insight about, like, how that perspective is from her side and how you're learning from seeing how she's coping with and dealing with what's going on. Yeah, that's a good question. It's tough too, because, um, you know, I'm not going to release any names or anything like that, but her dad is a cop as well and he's a really good cop. And so obviously there's been a lot of criticism towards police and uh, authorities, understandably. And so it's extra tough for her because She's seeing everything that's going on, but at the same time, she also is coming home to her father and her dad, who is a really good, genuine person and really good, genuine cop. And so she's having to see both sides of it. And she's only 11 years old, and she doesn't really know how to comprehend all that's going on, what 11-year-old would. Right. Um, so for her, she's just asking questions. She's trying to understand why this is all going on, because in her view – all cops are great and life is great because her dad is who she thinks of when she um, thinks as police and cops. Right. And so when she sees something other than her vision um, being played out, it doesn't sit right with her and it, it confuses her. Um, like I said, understandably. So from our perspective, we just try and answer all the questions we can at the same time, not trying to distance her from her dad, because like I said, this is a very unique stance that she's in you don't want to distance her from her dad just because he, he's a cop because he is a good guy and he is her father so it's very tough um she's really she's mature beyond her years which is you know makes it a little more helpful in these conversations but it really is a tough situation to be in yeah i bet and i bet i know and i went back and looking before having you come on i was trying just google danny vietti baseball trying to look on google see some of your articles and things like that, then maybe a playing career. And I did find out that maybe at 11 years old, then all the way up through high school, even in college, you played high school basketball and baseball. Then also you played baseball in college. What are some memories that stick out from your, from your playing days? Oh man, there's a few that stick out. Um, I definitely miss playing basketball. That's for sure. I, I let basketball go after high school and decided to focus on baseball, being a pitcher. Um, but man, there's, there's too many to choose from. I will say that my, my best time playing ball was my last year in college. I never thought it would be at a small NEI college in Northern California, but it was. Um, I bounced around in college a little bit. I went to San Diego State my first year, transfer, uh, excuse me, transferred to University of San Francisco, pitched really poorly, so then I transferred one final time to William Jessup. William Jessup. And I, like I said, I never thought a small NEI school would be the place for me because I always kind of dreamed bigger and wanted to be that D1 guy. But it ended up being William Jessup where I ended up making memories, making lifelong friends. Uh, we had a lot of success there my senior year, not so much my junior year. But my senior year, we ended up winning conference. Okay. Um, our guys were, we were family. Um, so it was really a cool experience to enjoy success at a college level and an elite level and to learn from a guy like Jake McKinley, who's now the Milwaukee Brewers pitching coordinator. He was our head coach. So to be able to learn from him, create connections and all at the same time, um, create a family was pretty special. Okay. Let's go back a little bit. You said you uh, stopped playing basketball after high school, but let's go back to high school for a little bit. If a coach was looking at you, an opposing coach, and trying to write up a scouting report on you, the basketball player, what would that scouting report say? Oh, man. Uh, probably, 
probably uh, he's so I'm I'm taller. I'm, I'm for my for the average person I'm taller. I'm six foot six, and so I grew up in a rather small town, and so they would probably say he's taller than any of the guys he's playing against because he's from a small town. But if he actually got to the big level, he'd have yeah. to be a guard or a forward. Okay. Um, and I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty small at the, at the big time ranks. I think, you know, it would have been tough about it. Try to play at the next level. Okay. Okay. Was there ever a thought of you playing basketball in college or was baseball always a thing? Yeah. So I did get offered uh, a couple different, places junior college and NAIA had a couple of coaches talk to me about basketball I played in um, an all-star game in high school and so there was a lot of scouts in that um, that gym that that day so I had a couple but baseball was always kind of the path I was going to go down and that's always kind of been my love too okay okay so it's kind of like um, when you were a kid baseball was kind of like your first your first love you may want to say baseball for sure yeah I mean I had three older brothers so I really grew up at the arenas, uh, the football fields, the ba- uh, baseball fields. So I grew up looking up to them. And ironically, or not ironically, but oddly enough, uh, my brothers all played football. I never really got into football for whatever reason. I always tried focusing on baseball. I played fall ball baseball during football season. Okay. Um, so I really grew up just looking up to those guys. And um, baseball, I just kind of fell in love with it. I fell in love with not only the game, but um, as you can see now, I'm writing about it too. So it's not just the game, but it's the analytics of it. Uh, just the mental game of it, everything about it is so comprehensive. Yeah, I, I think that. You mentioned writing about it, and your recent article about Father's Day and the connections there between fathers that play baseball and then the sons that play baseball as well. What, what was – did someone give you that idea? Was that an idea that popped into your head? And then, like, how much fun was that writing that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So that was just kind of a spike. I worked with my editor about that. Uh, Father's Day was coming up. There's nothing going down the pipeline in regards to news going on. So before I get into that, I want to give a whole lot of credit to just all the writers, the podcasters like yourself out there that have been churning out content over these last few months because there's been nothing to talk about or at least very little to talk about. So um, lots of respect go out to all the podcasters, writers that are finding ways to provide content for everyone out there because it's been slim picking and it's been tough. Um, But to answer your question, yeah. So I work with my editor. Father's Day was coming up. So I pitched him the idea. He enjoyed it. So wrote that up, did a lot of research and tried calibrating, you know, and adding up, accumulating all these other stats and seeing how they compare. Bonds was yeah, Bobby Bonds and Barry Bonds were far and above the next level, which was the Griffies at number two. Um, after that, the Alomars, Roberto, Sandy uh, Sr. and Sandy Jr. And uh, you're more than welcome to look at the rest of the article if you want to see the rest of the list. But those three um, really stood apart from the rest of the list. And then the Boons, too, were on that list. And they're a fourth generation there. They could become um, the first I might have this number right, but fourth or fifth generation. They have a the grandson or Aaron Boone's nephew is playing at Princeton University right okay, now. Okay. So he was expected to get drafted in the MLB year before it was condensed to five rounds. So he's actually uh, going to be going back for his senior year at Princeton. So, but it would be pretty cool to see the first fourth or fifth. I, it's, I'm in between those two, but first fourth <laughs> or fifth generation family in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and I appreciate the kind words. Um, putting out content and just having a show, having putting out a show, a podcast, any type of show, a writer like yourself throughout this whole entire period. It, it, at first, I was like, 
yeah, let's go. And I'm still like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not slowing down. If sports didn't come back to the fall of the winter, I would still find things to talk about because you just got to be creative. Uh, but it has been a little difficult. But this may, this may be something, some news to you. During this time period, I normally do two episodes a week. There have been times I've done three. And it's just been spur of the moment. Like, I have extra, extra stuff going on or other people to interview. So I just do three in a week. This happens to be one of those weeks where you're, you're one a guest and I'm having another guest the day after you as well. So um, there's – People say, is this stuff to talk about? I, I'm a person. I'm just going to try and be creative and find things. So that's kind of how this, this thing has been. Um, but that, I, that article, back to the article, I found that interesting because I had never thought about that idea before and then trying to just put the father and son or the families together in a list like that. And I, you, you kind of described it. You and your editor talked about it, thought, thought it was a good idea, and then you kind of ran with it. And I could just tell when I was reading it that you enjoyed it so much, and maybe down the road, maybe I'm just foreshadowing, but maybe like you could, if you have a kid in the future and it's his son, you could be like that dad watching your son play Little League Baseball. Yeah, that would be pretty special, that's for sure. I don't, uh, hopefully he's a better player than I ever was. <laughs> but, no, it was fun. Uh, it, it's funny, writing I've, I've experienced, um, some of the, my most fun articles I've done don't actually end up being the best performers. Uh, even, you know, my career is still rather young. I still have a long ways to go here, but uh, I remember doing a Bruce Bochy article last year. I was just breaking down some of his best moments and he was really someone uh, I kind of looked up to when I was a kid because I was in high school and the Giants were going through their run in the early 2010s. And so, um, you know, he was an icon to me as a kid and wanting to play baseball. I was wanting to play at the pro level at that time. And now as a writer, I was able to write about him and write about some of the moments that I experienced both as a, you know, uh, as a fan, which is, it's pretty cool. It, it, you don't always get that perspective as a writer because, you know, some of the guys I write about because we're a national news source, I have to write about all 30 teams and mm -hmm. even some minor league guys as well. And so you don't always get that personal flavor to it just because it's impossible to consume that much uh, you know intel and it's impossible to keep track of so many different players so many different teams so it's cool for me um, and it was you know uh, wholesome for me I guess uh, to write about a guy like Bruce Bochy to write about the father-son article that you brought up those are fun to write those are those are um, more fulfilling than even some of the other uh, articles I write just because it, I get to put a little bit of personality into them yeah, one thing that hasn't been fun and where it seems like there's really just been one personality or one idea regarding the situation is that Major League Baseball negotiations to resume the season. And as a baseball fan like yourself and me being a sports podcaster, we, we both have been looking and have been – kind of had a strong desire to have baseball have the season. We know start of spring training and then spring training got cut because of the virus, and we all understand that, but – what has what been going through your mind when you, we hear about these, these negotiations and so many polls and votes that are going no, 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 especially the latest poll, which happened today, which was a 33 to 5. 30, I think it was 33 no's and five yeses, which, which, which was kind of shocking to me. Yeah, it's, it's so tough to talk about the billionaires and millionaires because a lot of people can't really relate because majority of America is living on thousands or hundreds. Right. Um, so it's, it, it's tough because it's a whole nother planet, if you will. It's a whole nother world. At the same time, it's tough to side with the owners because the way I kind of described it is they're looking to um, add two rooms to their nine-room penthouse suite. You know, mm -hmm. they're already mm -hmm. sitting pretty. Whereas it, 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 another thing, too, is that 
a lot of the players that I'm concerned about, it's not, it's not the Mike Trouts, Nolan Arnauto's, uh, the guys that are making 30 million a year. I'm really concerned. And I was really fighting for the Pete Alonzo's, the Mike Soroka's, mm-hmm. uh, the Juan. So the guys that were expected to make uh, roughly $500,000 this year. And now with this prorated, it's going to be much, much less than that. If there is a season. So, that was tough for me to see because we were seeing um, owners take a slight hit and they were expecting these other guys, guys like Pete Alonzo, to take much larger percentages of budget cuts or not budget cuts, but pay cuts for these guys. And so I personally just think it, for a lot of people that were siding with their, uh, most of the people were siding with the players, but there's a handful that were siding with the owners and saying the players just need to, need to shut up and play. And they owe it to us to provide us some entertainment. That's wrong in my opinion, just because we're bored sitting at home. We have, um, you know, nothing to attend to because of coronavirus, everything shut down. That doesn't mean that the players need to sacrifice their health and provide us entertainment. That's not how life works. It's a business right. and um, health's a main concern, especially with these spikes that we're seeing across the U.S. right now. And it's going to continue to be a concern until we can find some kind of vaccine. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's it makes a lot of people uneasy just even th- talking about sports coming back, not if it's professional, high school, college, little league, no matter the level, just sports playing on any level makes a lot of people uneasy. And you mentioned uh, the millionaires and the billionaires and the negotiations. And even on Monday afternoon when I'm hearing, oh, wow, maybe I think it was Monday morning when I heard about it. I forget the exact time period, but when I heard, oh, um, so there's going to be a vote today. Um, I, already knew, I already knew there was a new proposal out there. And me being the me being a fan of sports, I know I know it's the host of a show, but just me, the fan, was speaking out at that time. I'm like, I just hope they say yes. And I got kind of selfish. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I literally did because, as you said, we've been sitting at home doing nothing. I mean, there's, I, I, like I told you earlier, I'm watching – there's Ohio State and Michigan, a game from 2002 on right now, and I can watch old games all day. I, I can relive the old moments. A lot of these games I've never watched before, so I'm able to relive these. But, but at the same time, I got selfish. I'm like, well, just, just play. Uh, I love watching old games, but I want to watch a live game at some point. Just play. But as you said so well, it's not as easy as a lot of people may think. And honestly, with the way that the baseball players and the owners are operating right now, there's a good chance we may not see baseball this year. Yeah, there's a very good shot of that. Right now, it's up to Rob Manfred. Um, he has the power now that these negotiations have stalled. Um, he has the power now to implement a condensed season. So it's really in Rob Manfred's hands right now. And to your point, I've been selfish as well. I want something to get done. I want baseball. I want entertainment. But at the same time, I don't want people to be taken advantage of in order for that to happen. And I know you don't either. I know right, right. Um, most people out there don't want that to happen. Um, so allow me to bring this out real quick um, yeah. because I want to get these numbers right. So I kind of described it as this for all the people that are maybe confused by these negotiations, um, confused why they don't just get a deal done. So I kind of broke it down like this. Okay. You and your boss, you're working on a deal to get back to work. Your boss asks you to return at 37% of your prorated salary. You propose 43%. Your boss said, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to give you the 43. I'm sticking at 37. You decline the 37% offer. And then now your company's CEO or owner now must decide. So that's to give you kind of a personal perspective or uh, kind of relate to what's going on. That's kind of what's happening. So now Rob Manfred, CEO, commissioner, um, he's not CEO, he's commissioner, but (laughs) <laughs> um, he's going to have to step in and take charge and 
Unfortunately, we're going to probably see what's expected to be a grievance from the MLBPA toward the owners. And if the MLBPA can prove that the owners were not working fairly within these negotiations and weren't actually trying to get the most games out of the season, we could see the MLBPA getting a large sum of money from the owners if they can prove that. How likely is it that that would happen, that they would be able to prove that? I'd say from what I've seen over the past month, pretty likely. Um, with that being said, I would, I'd need some context since I need to do more research on the history of the grievances and what the success rate is. Because just from my personal perspective over the last month, Major League Baseball owners have taken weeks to decide whether they'll accept or reject an offer. That to me is unacceptable because right. time is not of the essence and it hasn't been for the past couple months. There's no reason that it should take a week to pin down a counter proposal or to decide whether you're going to accept or decline. There's no reason for it. What are you doing in these meetings? And I'm referring to the owners. What are you doing in these meetings that it's taking four days to decide whether you're going to accept? Like, do a, um, a survey monkey and say yes or no and send it across to all 30 owners and see what happens. I, I just don't understand. So to say that they will have success in agreements, I don't know yet because I need to do more research on the history of it. But that being said, I hope they will have success if they do decide to have agreements because it has been downright ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah, it has. Um, there are many people keep going back to 1994. I even heard a podcast recently where they went back to 1981 and talked about the the the, the, the lockout, excuse me, almost a strike, basically same thing, lockout, where the negotiations, they didn't get anywhere. And we're seeing that right now firsthand. And this is in the social media age. So every little thing is documented over and over and over. You have insiders tweeting. You have people that work for teams tweeting. And so we get a lot of different people that some are just stating the facts. Some are stating their facts with opinion. And it seems like there's a time that people just don't know who to believe. Should I be on the player side, pro player? Should I be on the owner side, pro owner? Should I be selfish? Which, I, I, yes, I said I was selfish. I, I, and Danny, you said it very well. I, I, being selfish is wrong, especially in this situation, because there's so many different things that are more important than me finding things to entertain myself. But there are people like that. And I think we're in a time period that there's so much information, there's so much so many avenues for people to get information out there and to seek things. And you can go on, you can go on Twitter at any time. Jeff Pass is tweeting. Um, uh, John Heyman's tweeting. I mean, there's different people out there that are tweeting different things. You're like, okay, cool. So I'm waiting for this tweet. Oh, that's wrong. Hopefully that was false. I'm about to go over here. That's wrong. And people are just getting discouraged in a time period that they don't want to be discouraged because every time they go to social media or turn on the news, things are so negative. I just think this, I, don't, I was always trying to be the person that didn't go down this road. But this does look bad for baseball. I won't say baseball will lose fans because I just think that that's just something that you may lose some fans, but you're still going to have a lot of people go to games. But the thought of this being an, a, a, bad, a bad viewpoint towards baseball in a lot of people's eyes, that's true. And this, this is just baseball repeating itself because over and over and over, they showed us, they've given us a track record of negotiations going back and forth and just being stalled and not getting anywhere. Yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's a bad omen, to say the least. I'm leaning to the side of baseball itself is still a great game. We have more young stars in our game today between Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Gleyber Torres, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. out in San Diego, the list goes on. We have more young stars in today's game than we ever have before. So that's working on the side of the game. And for that reason, and a couple more, I don't think the game is going to all of a sudden just fail and completely, um, you know, dis. Um, just fall in disarray and completely just 
uh, end of the world scenario. I don't think that's going to be the case. But that being said, and to your point, there will be some fans that, you know, they just kind of lose the interest of it because they're tired of seeing all this disconnect between two sides. It shouldn't be two sides. It should be one league working together. And unfortunately that hasn't been the case. And so you can't blame people for saying, look, I'm going to go watch more hockey. I'm going to go watch more soccer because major league baseball isn't providing me not just entertainment, but culture, Um, just the values that people try and emulate in their own lives. Major league baseball, it hasn't been providing that. And so I'm going to go check out soccer, check out hockey, you know, it's going to be, yeah, they're going to have a little bit of a downtick in ratings most likely if there is a season just because um, there is less people interested in these financials that have been going on over the past month. And there's less people interested in all this disconnect between the two sides. It's a disconnected league right now. And it's going to take some time um, to sew those wounds up. Unfortunately, time is the only thing that can cure it because it's been so discombobulated over the past couple months. And to your point, it's been discombobulated for a while. So unfortunately, it's going to take some time. And unfortunately, Major League Baseball and the game of baseball might have to lose some fans before it can get back into its prime. Yeah, I made a joke recently to someone. I think it was my buddy that um, we just talk sports every now and then. And I went back to 94 and I said the 94 lockout happened. There was a turmoil and there was the same type of thing that's going on now. Then a few years later, there was a home run, the home run race between Griffey, Sosa and McGuire. And then steroids kind of was in was in baseball and then oh we forgot about the lockout let's just focus on these guys that heads enlarged shoulders are getting bigger broader and they're just knocking balls out of the park and I made a joke about how baseball could utilize another steroid era to boost ratings again because that's all we did in 98 not being literal like I don't like people cheating but do you think baseball could recuperate at the risk of season um this year so to answer your question uh I've always joked about this too what if we created a league where PEDs are allowed, um, illegal substances in Major League Baseball are now allowed, um, bunting is illegal, all these little rules. Yeah, yeah. That we what if we created a new league? I think right now if Major League Baseball, and you can call me crazy for this, if Major League Baseball can't work out their differences, and there's a CBA coming up in 2021 next year, if this continues into next year and even into 2022, I wouldn't be surprised if a new league comes around and um, starts grabbing kind of, kind of like how the G league is taking a few players away from college mm-hmm. baseball, mm-hmm. excuse me, college basketball. I could see a new league. Again, this would be a worst case scenario type deal, but I could definitely see a new league startup. A guy like Trevor Bauer maybe takes the um, lead in starting this new league. He's been very outspoken about these situations and um, what's been going on over the past two months. I could see something crazy like that happen. Absolutely. Again, that's a worst case scenario um, type deal. But if it continues into 22, that's a problem and it could lead to drastic measures. I think so. And I think so. You think of things uh, changing in a league, like you mentioned, and rules being a little different. There's this talk about the universal DH with you being a former pitcher. Are you fine with just a DH all around and pitchers not pitching anymore? Oh, 100%. I want universal DH. I've been wanting it. Um, I'm not going to, you know, stand up on a podium and scream to everyone that we need universal DH, but at the same time, I'm definitely for it. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than um, two outs, runners on first and second, or second and third, either one, and eight hitters coming up, and it's an automatic walk every time because they want to face the pitcher coming up in the nine It's a rally killer. It's an entertainment killer, and more than likely, the pitcher's not going to get it. It's just – 
the pitchers who rake or the pitchers that rake that hashtag and that trend, it's fun. And it's fun watching Bartolo Colon hit his first home run in San Diego and everybody goes crazy. But it's just so few and far between. And I'd much rather have a guy hitting 230 with 15 homers in the season come up in that nine spot than a guy like Jacob DeGrom, who is a solid hitting pitcher, but he's hitting 150 and maybe has a couple RBIs on the year. Um, it's just a rally killer, entertainment killer. I think it hurts the game. So I'm definitely for the universal DH. Imagine the World Series and you're, you're it's, it's tight. It's a 2-1 in the bottom of the eighth. And then all of a sudden, where it's a normal pitcher, you have a guy that's batting 200 where he, he's a situational guy where he's not a power hitter. He's going to hit – he's going to be a guy to maybe hit it right in the gap and then hit the guy that's on third base at home. That would be an added – like you mentioned, an added way to add – bring some excitement and possibly more eyeballs to the television screen. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean – there's a lot of different rules that Major League Baseball is pondering, especially with the new CBA coming up. But I think this is one that will stick. Um, you know, Jim Bowden tweeted already that they're expecting this universal DH to stick um, throughout this. Um, as the CBA comes up, they'll likely discuss it as the permanent rule going forward. So, like, to your point, I think it's better for the game. I think um, everybody will be – more fulfilled with the game by seeing nine legit hitters come up in a lineup and as opposed to eight. And another thing is that it gives more jobs to players. It does. Uh, one more job. For, so there's going to be 15 new jobs opening up in the national league um, that weren't there prior to that rule, because every national league team is now going to be having to fill the designated hitter spot, which is another, you know, another job. Yeah, yeah. It, it is another job, more jobs for people that are out there. And I think I'm a guy that I love, I love tradition in sports. I'm a big college football guy. So, you know, the college football is full of tradition. Baseball is as well. All the sports have their traditions. This is one thing that when I go, I usually go this year, it can't happen. I usually try to go to Great America Ballpark in Cincinnati, Cubs and Reds that, that week of my birthday. And I try to watch that game. And I'm just so used to no matter if it was Joe Madden putting the pitcher in the A spot or whoever the or the Reds is having the tr traditional nine spot, I'm just so used to. Pitcher comes up, I don't pay attention. My phone comes out. Oh, let me text somebody. I got to pop up every now and then. There may be a, a fly ball or foul ball coming right my way, but at the same time, I don't pay attention. It's very similar to someone said in football, the old school field goal when it was pushed up to the to the old line. They're like. Nobody cares about field goals anymore. Like, if you score a touchdown, a lot of people just get up and go to the restroom or go get uh, something else to drink or something to eat and then go back to their seat because it's just a field goal. Excuse me, a field goal. Uh, P-A-T, point, point at the touchdown. Um, so that's kind of how I am towards pitchers hitting and the old school field goal. I still don't really watch the new field goal now because as a Colts fan, Vinatieri, he missed so many. I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch him miss because he misses the P-A-T. I'm going to get upset. So that's kind of my mindset there. But, yeah, man. The uh, universal DH, I know I was for, for years like, no, I want, pitchers to, I want pitchers to hit. Keep it the same. Oh, man, let's change things up. Yeah, I, no, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the key part about this, too, and the key part about this argument is that you're not changing the game in any way. You're not changing the game from what it is. Right. Um, we've had the DH in the American League for a long time now. We know it works. And we know it's not – there's a lot of – like I said, there's a lot of new rules that they're thinking about. They're thinking about putting a guy on second base in extra inning games now. Uh, I saw that. Help pick up extra inning games. Um, they're thinking about robot umpires or electronic umpires. Uh, there's a couple different rules and a couple different uses of technology that they're pondering. This is one that doesn't change the game. It's not going to have all the boomers come out of their 
you know, out of their houses screaming, <laughs> stop changing the game, you know. Um, so this is a, a simple modification, one that we already know is going to have success. And I'm, like I said, I'm 100% for it. Yeah, absolutely. I know I like to end this, uh, Danny, and I forgot to mention, to you, mention this to you earlier. I like to end whenever I have a guest on for an interview, for interview. It's a little rapid fire. i got nine questions here. Just give me the first thought that comes into, comes into your head. Um, it's a question or a thought here. Then at the very, very end, let people know where, you, where they can catch you on social media and also where they can read some of your articles. Question or thought number one, in your mind, will there be baseball this season, this year? funny if you had asked me earlier in the week it would have been different um I'm gonna say no at this point I'm gonna say no favorite memory from your playing days either my mom coaching me in the little league or my last year at uh in college winning the conference championship mom coaching you I know I said rapid fire just give me like really quickly what that was like it was cool yeah my dad was always coaching my older brothers so my mom coached my little league teams you know not not Completely, uh, you know, it's not, I don't want to say normal, but it's not very common for a female to be coaching a men's little league team, but she did. And she did a heck of a job. We were um, battling for first place each and every year. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that. I like that. Favorite baseball player, now current and then of all time. So I got to go Mike Trout here. Um, and I know that's not the bold answer, but got to love a guy that performs both on and off the field a guy that's just genuine and just does his job and all time I probably have to go with the same name um growing up I really loved watching more of a skill playing shortstop okay there's a couple different guys that I really liked watching play but Mike Trout's up there and probably will be up there for a long time an athlete you'd love to see a documentary on it's, docu- it's, it's documentary season <laughs> hey, wait I'm sorry what was that it's documentary season so I had to throw a documentary question in there yeah yeah I don't want to say a certain player I would love to see a documentary um about the 1989 Oakland A's okay between Seiko McGuire um so many different personalities on that team and I would love to see a, a last dance type documentary about those guys the Bash brothers I like that a game you would love to attend in any sport you know, I've never been to a World Series game before, and I would really love uh, to make that. I've always, I've always wanted to sit courtside at an NBA game. Um, I always heard that's a really cool bucket list experience. So it doesn't even have to be a playoff game or anything. Just sit courtside just one time. Favorite vacation spot? Lately, it's been San Diego. Just because, one, it's affordable. Um, two, it's fairly nearby of my place up here in Northern California. Um, I still got a lot of different places I want to travel. So, so far, San Diego. Okay. This kind of piggybacks right off of, right off of what you just said. It was already written down a place you would want to go, but you've never been. Oh man, this is a long list. Um, Italy is definitely, I would love to do Italy and Africa. Those are, those are two spots I really want to. Some, somewhere over there, somewhere back east, I would love to uh, do some visiting and some tourists. Tourism. Okay. okay. I got two more for you. They're both basketball questions. Uh, the first one, who would win in a game of one-on-one, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Oh, man. See, I'm biased here because I grew up in the LeBron yeah. age. It's, I didn't watch Michael Jordan on a day-to-day basis, but I will say that documentary uh, was, yeah, was pretty impressive. It, I'm going to say LeBron just because I'm biased and I'm, I'm a millennial and I'm going to say LeBron. <laughs> and LeBron's got a little bit more size and strength on MJ too. 
yeah, two inches and I think maybe what, at least 40, 45 pounds maybe. I mean, he had some height and height and uh, and weight and mass. I mean, you, you can go on and on about how Mike, how his body is different than Michael Jordan's. But last but not least, Kobe Bryant, he's unfortunate, unfortunately no longer here with us. What's one memory you have from his playing days? So I attended a Kings-Lakers game when I was probably – I think I was 12 years old, 11 years old. The guy dropped 48 points, two overtime games. And that's something I'll always hang on to just because not a lot of people can say they watch Kobe Bryant drop 48. Uh, not a lot of people can even really say they watch Kobe Bryant just because it's – it was – he emulates Michael Jordan. I'm not much of a basketball guy anymore. Okay. But yeah, yeah. he emulates Michael Jordan more than anybody I've ever seen, um, more than LeBron, more than uh, – you know, whoever's in the league right now, he personality wise, his drive and how he conducts himself both, both on and off the court. He's almost like a mini Jordan to me. So that was pretty special. Yeah. He's special. Um, He's my favorite basketball player. So that, so when the news hit that Sunday, I'm literally in my apartment and it was, it was, it just shook me up. I look at my phone, like, no, this isn't true. This, I'm getting phone calls. I don't, I don't believe you. Like, I don't, I just shook me up, but yeah, man, his, uh, his playing style is the Mamba mentality, like everything that, that embodies Kobe Bryant. That was fun. Well, it's sad he's longer here, but like I mentioned with YouTube, we can relive a lot of his uh, games and moments, 48-point game like you watched, and we can relive those moments uh, still. Let the people know where they can catch you on social media then also where they can read some of your articles. Yeah, so you can catch all my latest on CBSSports.com. I'll have a writing profile if you just want to search Danny Vietti CBS Sports. And then you can also catch everything on my Twitter at Danny Vietti, and I'll be sure to uh, you know, link up whatever articles I do publish and interact and uh, kind of help you along and show you the way. And for all you listeners, I will actually tag – I'll actually go and tag his latest article, the one we talked about, the, the Father's Day article. I will put that – right underneath the link when I tweet out the link to this episode. Go right underneath that. I'll put that article there on Twitter so you can have both of those si- uh, both of those together on my Twitter page. Danny, thank you so much. This has been fun. It's unfortunate baseball's not no, not here right now, but I sure hope – I, I try to be optimistic. I hope we have baseball. I'm kind of on the train like you. If, I, if you ask me, like, yes or no, I'm leaning towards no, that we won't. But there's still a part of me that wants to be optimistic and hope baseball comes back. Danny Vietti, thank you so much for joining us here on the Jay Stevens Podcast. Anytime, Jay. It was, it was a fun time. Let's go start our own league, all right? Be on the lookout for more conversations just like that with people that have their careers entrenched and love baseball. That's one thing the podcast has been lacking, and I will take responsibility for that. But from here on out, we will be doing more baseball talk. Also, just like I mentioned in the episode, if you would like the episode of the article that Danny just wrote on Father's Day that got sent out and posted on Father's Day, I put it in the on my Twitter page right under the tweet that, that has the link to this episode. If you're not on Twitter and you would love to read this article, send an email to me, jstevenspod at gmail.com. I will send that link to you directly because I enjoyed reading that article and I believe you will enjoy reading that article as well. Thank you for listening to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. If you're not on Twitter and you would love to connect with the podcast, send your emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, 
rate, and review. It's a great way for people that search for a new podcast to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode number one, be sure to people know about the podcast. This has been episode 106 of the JC1 Podcast. I'll see you next time.